no attention to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name is full. And folly goes with him. By the way, that's what the word Nabal means. It, <laughs> it means full. But as for me, your servant, I did not see the men that your master sent. Now, since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my master be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offense, for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master because he fights the Lord's battles. And David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. 1 Samuel 25, verse 25 and following. Now it's obvious that Abigail is a believer. Here again, we have the wife, a believer, giving good, can I say it this way, good godly counsel, of all things, to the king. Who does she think she is? Just a humble servant girl that doesn't want King David to put his foot in his mouth and do something stupid and something so horrendous that would affect his kingdom. It's obvious she's a believer, but Nabal is a fool in this sense. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks from heaven on the sons of men. The sons of men, the male heirs. To see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Psalm 14, the first three verses. Abigail had to bear the heartache and burden of living with a man whose only thought was of making money and the expansion of his ranching empire. His stingy, idol-loving heart would not even allow him to be generous to David and his men in gratitude for David's protection and care over his herdsmen and flocks while in the wilderness. When Abigail confessed to Nabal how she had helped David, his heart failed him. And the scripture says he became like a stone. 1 Samuel 25, verse 37. And the next verse says that about 10 days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Wow. Death, brethren, ends all appeals to God. Death is final. Isaiah writes, for the grave cannot praise you. The grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope 
for your faithfulness. Isaiah 38, verse 18. So firstly, we note that believing wives and believing children sometimes bear the pain of a husband or a father whose obstinacy towards God may find them eternally lost. That's life. That's the way it is. But secondly, there's the opposite side. There's the pain of an unbelieving wife and mother. Here the shoe is on the other foot. Just as there are believing women whose husbands have not the least time of the day for God and spiritual things, so there are men whose wives and their mothers of their children are totally oblivious to spiritual realities. Solomon, who had a thousand wives, that's hard to believe, isn't it? (laughs) Who had a thousand wives, knew something about the pain of seeing many of them cold and callous towards the things of God. They influenced him for evil, but somehow he was not able to influence them for good. The scripture says, King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, and then it lists them, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, and Hittites. A lot of ites there, 1 Kings 11 and verse 1. And Nehemiah gives this commentary. Nehemiah writes, Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was loved by his God. God made him king over all of Israel. But even he was led into sin by foreign women. Nehemiah 13, verse 26. What can be said of these wives apart from the vast number of them? Well, I read some of it. They were Egyptians, Moabites, Ammonites. What are they? Those are pagan tribes. They're the offspring of Lot's drunken and incestuous union with his own two daughters, those nations. The Edomites, they're descendants of wicked Esau. Sidonians, Ahab married Jezebel of Sidon who introduced Baal worship and the Asherah poles into Israel. The Hittites, they were descendants of Noah's grandchild, Canaan, who was cursed for sinning against him. These aren't good people. (laughs) This is not where you want to build your posterity. True, many of these marriages were for being politically correct. You know, nations for the sake of keeping peace, marriages for that reason. But all of them, all of those marriages were a violation of God's commandments. Deuteronomy 7, we read, When the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn 
against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do then. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones. That would be the Baals. Cut down the Asherah poles. Burn their idols in the fire. All of that, Deuteronomy 7, verses 2 through 5. Well, Solomon disobeyed. And the consequences are reflected in some of his Proverbs. Better live on a corner of the roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21, verse 9. Repeated in Proverbs 25, verse 24. Ten verses later, verse 19. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and ill-tempered wife. Again, a foolish son is his father's ruin, and a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping. Proverbs 19, verse 13. Again, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil in your hands. Proverbs 27, verse 15 and 16. Better a meal of vegetables where there's love than a fattened calf with hatred. Proverbs 15, verse 17. Better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of Feasting and strife, Proverbs 17, verse 1. What's he admitting? He's saying, well, great cooks, great keepers of the house. 